All right, welcome to the Pitch Stag episode 14. Um, oh man, we did it, Matt. We, uh, we played in two Uprising pre-releases in one day. Uh, we sure did. It was a marathon. It definitely was, actually. I was a little burnt out at the end of the day, at the end of the night. <laughs> at the end of the day, I wanted to home. play more. <laughs> I don't know if that, what that says about me, but I was like, I was so tired. I've barely eaten. Like I went to a, I went to a sandwich chain that will not be named without financial compensation. Um, in between the two pre-releases, I ate that for lunch and dinner. Um, so it was like, I don't know, less than six inches of sandwich That's scientifically cheap. for lunch and then for dinner again. Uh, and it was nuts. I, I had so much fun with this set. This set absolutely ruled. Mm-hmm, and on I top agree. of everything, we uh, we both hit top eight of the second pre-release and we got to do a little top eight draft. Yeah, absolutely. That was a lot of fun. And it actually um, was a totally different experience than playing sealed. It, I mean, it wasn't totally different, but what I mean by that is like, your ability to construct a smooth engine machine of a limited deck is uh, much better if you are drafting correctly. And apparently the table read everyone. Uh, the table read each other very correctly. So uh, it was nice when uh, the Absolutely. table reads people, when the people read the table correctly. Well, Matt, the reason I bring up our top eight draft is I have a judge dagger today to throw your way and i actually don't expect you to know the answer to this one because i didn't know the answer to this one and i'm only bringing this up because i feel like the people listening that's right the people i i feel like they should know the answer to this one i deserve the answer too which i'll get it in a minute once i Um, answer it incorrectly So this is going to be the extra sharpened variety of dagger, which means it comes from the rules and policy section. Oh, no. Of the rule book. Matt, this rule is the same for competitive and casual. What are you supposed to do? And what are the people around you supposed to do if you draft a double-faced card in Uprising. So, I will preface my answer with that historically, Flesh and Blood has not had any double-sided cards yet. But now it does. But now it does. Um, And if we go, if we were to answer this based on Magic, if we were going to compare it to Magic, uh, Magic at one point uh, required that anyone drafting a double-sided card must reveal it to the table. And that was mostly because every pack had a double-sided card because of the format that they were in at the time. Innistrad, the first one. Yeah. But at over time, they added double-sided cards to packs in which it, would be, it wouldn't be in every pack, right? You would just randomly open a double-sided card, you know, occasionally. And they decided at that point you wouldn't need to reveal it. And I guess it was fair or I don't know. Some people could argue it was fair or unfair because the people next to you immediately got to see the information. You tuck it under your little pile there and then it goes away. Um, 
But now I actually had the experience of drafting Dromai, and my first three picks were dragons. So it was like, well, here's a dragon, here's a dragon. Um, but I didn't reveal them necessarily, but we didn't have this conversation at the table. I think we were under the impression that we didn't have to reveal them while we were playing the draft. So after we dis- discussed, we stopped revealing our double-faced cards. However, if we're referring to a rules change, um, you know, a, a recent thing, I believe that uh, you should reveal them. So my okay. answer will be that you must reveal a double-sided card when you draft it. Wow. Uh, no, that's wrong. Okay, so... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I... <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It's really... It's actually very specific what you're supposed to do, and this is actually really cool, and I think it's important to spread this information because I didn't know this. It just happened to be like I was scrolling through like the most like popular judge questions on the Discord over the last few days to see which one I could really get you with. <laughs> and um, check this out. When drafting Uprising. When you begin, before you even pick a card, you are supposed to begin your pile with a token. And when a player opens or is passed a pack that contains a dual face card, they cannot reveal or otherwise convey that their pack contains it. And when you draft it, you are supposed to do so by subtly sliding it under your card in your face down pile, which may include a token. Oh, that's very odd. Yeah, it, it's odd that the rules of hand. are asking you to perform sleight of hand, which usually is like a no-no. That's very funny. I though. mean, well, I guess like the real no-no in Flesh and Blood is like you really shouldn't be like looking. At, I mean, like obviously sometimes you're like, is this guy going to hurry up and pick a card? But like you really shouldn't be looking at anybody else's pile. So if you're able to just grab one and slide it under there, then, like, nobody will be like, oh, what's going on with that sleight of hand, you know? Yeah, and honestly, right. I do that in Magic. Like, obviously, like, you're oh, supposed to announce if you have a dual face. Yeah, any double side card. Like, obviously, you announce it, like, when it's in the pack. But if I but draft yeah, I one, I slide it under my other cards. Yeah, I thought Magic actually um, changed that rule. You don't have to announce double side cards anymore. Well, I haven't been, so that's good. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I've actually been doing this. I did it with a, a couple dragons in this draft before I pivoted into Icelander because it was wide open. Um, yeah, I, um, it was very interesting, that draft. Um, but yeah, Droma definitely felt uh, playable there. Yeah, absolutely. I... Um, Gosh, I don't know. The draft environment, the sealed environment, these two things were so completely different and super fun. Um, I feel like we could talk about this for a really long time, and I don't want to delay the music any further. What do you say? We hit him with the intro, get back, and we'll get right into that recap. Let's do it. You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. Uh, all right we are back from the intro 
Uprising pre-release weekend. We hit a noon 25 player pre-release. We hit a 7 p.m. 16 player cut to top eight draft pre-release. We saw a lot of cards, a lot of packs. Matt, I'm going to ask the question that's been on my mind all week. And I in I on purpose did not ask you this at any point on Saturday because I wanted to save it for now. What was your best poll? Oh, uh, I didn't really actually pull that great all weekend, sadly. Um, well, I was given generously a cold foil double-sided token, which I will not count. Um, but my best pull might have been the Spellfire Cloak cold foil. Ooh, That's that is common, quite nice. Yeah, it's a common equipment. I actually opened um, two cold foil equipments, I believe. Really? That what was one. the other one? I opened a, uh, or maybe it was three, I think it was two. Spellfire Cloak, which is in my first draft, and, oh no, wait, uh, no, my second draft, My that wasn't my second draft. My first draft had the cold foil conduit of Frostburn arms. I mean, my first sealed, sorry, my first pre-release had the conduit of Frostburn uh, arms for Icelander. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then um, in that uh, pool, I also had a uh, hypothermia. Ooh, that is not bad right there. Um, But it's funny, my second pre-release, I opened two hypothermias in my pool, one of which was foil. Including the cold foil spell for spell fire cloak, and I didn't play Icelander. <laughs> <laughs> I um, it, was, it was tempting to, but I, nah, I knew I knew what I had. I kind of like yeah. I, there was I had a lot of temptation to play stuff based on cool polls, but I actually first pre release I went ninja, second pre release I went Dramai, and then third. And then in the draft, uh, at the very end, I went Icelander. So I got to hit all three bases. That's funny. Um, we, we, we did the opposite. My first sealed, my first sealed was Icelander, which I went 3-1 in. I only lost round one. Damn. I'm getting my bearings together. And then um, I didn't make top eight. But my second uh, one, I went Fi as well. Um, did we play in the Swiss mirror match at all or no? I don't think we played at any point in the day up until um, the draft. Yeah. Up until the draft. Yeah. Yeah. My, my five pull was like absolutely insane. Like the amount of reds and like synergy I had, like actually good attacks. I didn't have any crazy like Phoenix flame combo cards except for rise up. That was like one of them I had in my deck, but the rest of the pool was just insane. I had my deck consisted of like, Four yellows and like eight blues. Damn. And then the rest I, uh, reds. That's I actually my my five pit or my five pool was bad. Um <laughs> when I played five. <laughs> it was just in sealed and something like I'm sure anybody that played in the pre-release this weekend realized that you have an 80% chance of having a five pool. That's just uh yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of how it that's works. Fair. And um, I don't know, it, it seemed like there was there was a ton of fi. And uh, so here's something that's interesting, though. I had absolute nut god hand Dramai pool uh, going into Swiss of that second pre-release. And just to explain how good this is, 
all week it kind of felt like Fi into Jermai or all day, uh Fi into Jermai felt like an auto loss. Um like just Fi absolutely eats Jermai alive. And in all four rounds, I played against Fi and I went two and two. Um that's how good my Jermai pool was. So it was uh I don't know, it was really cool to see Jermai at like the height of her power. But then in the top eight playing against you, um your draft deck, obviously, because draft decks are a little curated, was much sicker than my Jermai pool. And I got to say, you built a hell of a deck, which is why I got absolutely crushed. Uh, can't <laughs> be, cannot deal with I mean, large amounts of arcane barrier dragons. It, You're on like B100. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy. You know, the the quell equipment, the quell items actually come in a very come in very handy. Not just the Arcane Barrier. I mean, the Arcane Barrier is a more convenient thing to use if you've got it as well. But I just want to point out that the Quell things, if you don't have the Arcane Barrier, are like very valuable in that matchup. And let and also not to bash on Helios Meter either. Is it Miter Meter Mitre? You know, how do you pronounce I, that? Popat? A lot of people, you know, you don't. People don't really know this about me, but I don't know how to talk, and so uh, I have no idea. I'm actually going to Google it real quick. I'm just going to put in miter. Uh, I'm going to say miter because that's I'm pretty sure that's how you spell miter saw. Um, we're going to put in miter with definition. Uh, that's also important to do if you're also Googling this. Um, and uh, let's see. It's a type. A miter is a type of headgear now known as the traditional ceremonial headdress of bishops and abbots. Um, uh, It appears to be based on this IPA pronunciation key. Um, Okay, it is M as in my, I as in tied, T as in what? T as in tie is in letter yeah okay it is miter it is miter uh i should have got that by the third vowel that i highlighted there um so it is leo's miter for those of you playing along at home who've been so frustrated at me trying to figure this out for 45 seconds you're probably like i studied as an abbot and i know about those hats or they're a waste of my time doug i don't know (laughs) we'll find out um, well, yeah, that that, uh, that equipment's actually not too bad. It's it's nice to have as a a freebie. It's it's pretty costly, but it helps in a lot of uh, situations considering it's an activated ability in a format with frostbites. So yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's not the worst. Well, also Helios Miter, and one of the things that I like about it, uh, when I was playing Dramai, there is this line of play that doesn't come up very often. But if you absolutely need Ash tokens, yeah, um, you can just prevent damage from a target of your choice. It does not; it's not like Quell, where damage that was about to be dealt needs to be prevented. You can just target something, so you can target like the other hero's weapon just to pitch two reds. Um, to generate ash tokens without any impending damage, which is fascinating. Uh, and it's really just shows <clears throat> I was not expecting the limited environment of this set to be as deep as it is. And it yeah. is very deep. And um, in my third round of Swiss, I played against Will, who was on Dramai, and he was also on Dramai in um, draft. 
but I played against Will and um, his turn one play was to pitch to Helios Miter to make uh, to make Ash. Yeah, and by Will, obviously you mean Pro Tour Dallas top eight competitor Will Laystrom. Um, Third, yes. Yeah, who absolutely, uh, as you can guess, uh, for those of you or not Grand Prix da- calling Dallas. Sorry, there's a thousand names for these things. Uh, calling Dallas is limited, and Will absolutely stomps people's faces in in limited, as we learned this week. Um, he's just an elite limited player, and uh, you took him to the buzzer though. Yeah, I mean, we faced off again, and he got his payback on me in the Jeremiah Mare match in draft. Because you and me faced in the quarterfinals. Uh, I was on Droma, you were on uh, Icelander. I won that one, and then we played the Mare match again. And, uh, or well, not again, I was on five previously. But uh, me and, Dro- me and uh, Will played a Mare match on Droma, and uh, it, it was super close. Like, is it an exaggeration to say the, say the least? Um, we were like one in the, the game ended where we were both at one life. I had a dragon in play. He had, uh, I think like one Ashwing. He had two cards in deck. I had two cards in hand and no cards in deck. And then he happened to have a, uh, a six power attack and I had five power in blocks in hand. So it Oof. ended, it ended very sadly. Yeah, there were, no, uh, there were a couple times where, uh, and this is one of the things is like, it's so easy with those little ash tokens under your dragons to like, I don't know what it is, but it's so easy to forget that they have phantasm and then it just comes right up and bites you in the face. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of, I don't think I would have gotten as close to winning that game were it not for my six poppers in my pool, in my draft pool. Uh, I Absolutely. knew I had to draft the poppers to make sure nobody could pop my own uh, dragons, and um, it worked out. And it also helped because I played into the mirror match. I was on the back foot that entire game, so much so that like I believe I was at like nine or eight life, and Will was on like eighteen life. But once I started ending his turns mid turn with like his first attack initially, just blocking it with a phantasm popper and ending it. He had no foot. He didn't have the stilettos to save his action point. So I was able to end three of his turns abruptly. Ooh, yeah, that is a uh, that is a hell of a thing to happen. Um, <laughs> I had a couple there were a couple games where I was real close against Fi on Jermai. And then like they just got that popper right off at the right time. And Fi is such a great tempo that, um, oh, you just can't come back from that. Um, yeah, it's tough. You really need to keep your stilettos and, you know, I mean, you can't play around people having poppers, but you know, you can at least be prepared for it if you've got the equipment, you know, um, having drafted uh mirage, I helps as well, or, uh, pro both of which yeah. were in my pool. Uh, I had four dragons, which were, uh, which was, it was, it was, um, Chromai, uh, it's hard to memorize them, but I've been doing a pretty good job. Mirage, Chromai, um, Temai, and uh, well, the one that kicked um, my ass you had was Kyloria. Kyloria, um, yeah, that was the fourth Kyloria one. ruined any chance I had of beating you at that game. Kyloria is, if if not even exaggerating, Kyloria is a uh, snatch dragon, yeah, 
I mean, with go again. It's literally Um, with go again. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that also absorbs an entire attack next turn to get rid of it. Uh, Kyloria is nasty. Um, I didn't. So I actually was not playing a lot of dragons in my Dramai build. I did have my sickest Paul um, was I did get a Marvel Yendurai. That Ooh, was rad. That was beautiful. Because uh, green is my favorite color. Dragons are cool. Um, it really all came together for me. Uh, but I didn't get to cast it once in four rounds, which is real sad. I like I marked off like a little card. I like double sleeved it and set it to the side. And I was like, can't wait to put you on the board. And it just never happened. <laughs> um, but this is unlimited. I mean, this was sealed, right? Yeah, this was in the, this was in the sealed rounds. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, all of my Fey wins, like, honestly, it was like they're kind of a blur because the games ended so quickly. Yeah, I almost didn't like. I don't remember playing half of like half the turns I played. I don't remember. They all were either just like 11 damage or like 17. <laughs> it was Absolutely. just like, I don't, I don't know. I, I just play the card. You know, it's, it, it's not as simple as I'm making it sound, but the deck is pretty, pretty simple. It plays itself. It has some pretty interesting lines in terms of like the way you order your turn around. But generally speaking, it's a pretty brain dead like strategy. Uh, fragile, of course, but it is very, very consistent and strong. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Fi is insane. And I, so something, I went one and three at the first pre release. That's right. Don't listen to my strategy or anything I had to say. <laughs> I got hashtag exposed. Um, you know what I learned? after my second brutal loss in the five mirror in a row is that if you are playing in a five mirror don't go first um no <laughs> no don't go first i uh i won those dice rolls yeah. too so it's on me uh that is I, um, that is not something i can put on anybody else but my god i learned from uh, my uh my predecessors to not do that luckily i, I didn't play five at the start of the day so i had to hear all the uh i had to hear everyone talking about how you're supposed to go second all day well that was like so my second match of the day in the pre-release was against pro tour competitor john owens who we previously had on the show um and john uh absolutely smoked me but it was close right like he was he was on four life when it was over and as soon as the match was over i was like i feel like i probably should have gone second and he was like yeah, that does. He's like, it, it, we just immediately both discovered it at the end of it. And then from there on, it was like, oh, that's the meta. But I was like, I'm going to play one more game to make sure that's how this works, because I um, I never learn anything the easy way. That's that's, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's really it's really crappy when you think about it. Like. When you just think about the way the deck plays. Yeah, it's like if you go first. This is the turn. This is like pretty much the only turn your opponent is like, okay, I'll block actually. Right. And then they block. You take one. This is what happened when I went second in my Faye matchup um, in Swiss. Go second, block everything, take one damage. Okay, cool. My turn now. Now you can't afford the block because you won't have a turn. Yeah. So now you just take the, uh, a face, a fistful of damage, 
and you're at five life, and then you have a full hand to put your opponent down to five life. But guess what? Now it's your opponent's turn, <laughs> and you're at five life, so you're blocking now. Yeah, that was like uh, I, Owen. Uh, John was telling me that he had a match where he got off 19 damage and had which from what i understand is the absolute nut draw for five like you yeah, can't that, get more than 19, that is 19 the ceiling. damage per turn i've had i've with and of course it also depends on your uh, equipment as well um the best i've had is 17 but uh his opponent was on 20 life so he just took it and then killed him the next turn <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> Because the that's, five matches is an, it's an insane race apparently. That's um, hilarious. Yeah, that's, right. That's worse than uh, back when Briar uh, Tales of Aria draft, where you Briars would just attack each other, no blocking. Yeah, uh, it and this deck did kind of five kind of does feel like Briar, like maybe not as broken, um, but you it's the fastest deck in Flesh and Blood right now, absolutely. Classic constructed that deck is so fast. That is a turn three kill against almost any hero, uh, and you've got to slow it down big yeah, time. 100%. And I think Phi is immediately a huge part of this meta going forward. I think uh, Old Him's definitely going to play a role in stopping that. Um, the Bastion, the uh, Stalagmites, going to be it. Just on an absolute tear against Fies. Like, it's yeah. just going to totally ruin his day. Um, additionally, like, it, 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 I don't know. It depends on the, the Bolton build. Now that I can, now that I'm speaking it, it may, it may be more valuable to play Rampart, but it, that's just for damage's sake, right? Uh, just for con- straight up controlling their turn, it may turn out that uh, Stalagmite's better. But I do know that Lexi and Icelander are going to be an absolute hell matchup for Fi, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's kind of interesting. I, I was having this conversation earlier today. Do you think that other aggro decks will be able to take... You know, there's that classic uh, thing of magic and trading card game theory. Who's the beatdown? Will other aggro decks be able to take on a control role against Phi, which seems to be the lowest to the ground and the fastest? I think um, it'll be a 50-50. Like, if I were to play Viscerai into Phi, it would depend on my draws. Who's going first? And uh, pretty much those two things. Just uh, the way you're drawing and who's going first. I do have some plans, like, for teching against that, but... Um, generally speaking, I think five probably is favored, but something like Viscerai, who doesn't really play well into the rest of the meta right now, of course, at least, you know, considering, uh, Prism existing, uh, now Dromai soon enough and, uh, the Guardians, the rest of the Guardians is going to be very tough. Um, but into Phi, particularly, I think that I can afford to take 15 17 damage and pressure just about as much damage on the following turn with fewer cards yeah absolutely i can afford to block a single card and i have better blocking equipment as well so that's definitely something i'm considering 
Um, I think the new crown is going to play a massive role in the aggressive matchups for Viserai. Um, that crown's going to definitely help me fix my hand, and it's going to help me block uh, more damage immediately. Hmm. That's uh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about the new crown in terms of how it helps you. Ha- like, I mean, obviously, I was thinking about that, but in terms of like what a great advantage it gives you in that fine matchup. Absolutely, and not even not only that, but I think that um, that's all you got. My uh, my rated one my rated uh first mythic uh mega rare for this set uh is going to be in my sideboard especially for fi oh yeah absolutely because i get to replace the card i still get a block i still get a block and attack right it's a valuable it's a valuable defense block one of the two power attacks to come at you you know one of the buffed up phoenix flames for one or two and then draw your card back absolutely yeah it's oh i don't like to think about it um as a prism player uh although well, it's a yellow card so it. you're definitely probably going to consider running that card somewhere yeah yeah the um so the nastiest play i had happen to me when i was on uh when i was on what do you call it when i was on uh by was i had somebody turn one strategic planning me uh, which is putting action cards plus zero from graveyard on the bottom of the deck. Yeah. So yeah. I uh, I started. Yeah. So shout out to Alex Enslow if you're listening uh, <laughs> for that play. So yeah, we started out turn and just oh yep there goes my Phoenix Flame. It's been put out. Uh, so and the reason I say that is because this was my answer at the end of the day, but the answer has changed. Matt, did you come out? of these pre-releases and the, and these games, uh, did you come out of this with a new favor with a favorite card from this set? I, um, in, in terms of just play, like playability or like just, just like, I, I any, don't know any, in uh, terms of, in any, any way whatsoever. And I know this is like, obviously for me, it's a softball question because as we speak, I'm sorting like my pre-release hall. Uh, so I have the cards right in front of me, but did any cards stick out to you where you're like, Hey, I, I really like this card. This is probably my well, favorite card. From I, would, I would, I will, what I'll do, what I'll give you is, um, since we did kind of have a, a similar discussion last, um, episode, what I'll do is I'll tell you my favorite card, uh, for each hero. Um, okay. yeah. What I, what I felt was like the strongest or the card that made like the most, uh, impact in games. So for Icelander, the card I feel that has the strongest, greatest impact is the one cost red. No, sorry. The um, yeah, the one cost. Uh, well, the one cost blue and red uh, arcane damage ice bolt. Um, oh, no, oh, wait, yeah. I'm sorry. Or that and or the blue cold snap. Yeah. Um, so. Essentially, the bolt is like on the perfect. I had this discussion is like it's the perfect rate for like playing things with Icelander is like zero or one. Right. On your opponent's turn or even on your turn. Um, On your turn, you want the reds on your opponents. You want the blues um, in your arsenal. But you pitch a blue, you play that uh, bolt for three damage and then you staff for three damage. 
Um, and then on your turn, you're pitching the red for like five damage, I think. You're playing the red for five and the staff for two. So it's still six damage. Uh, and you can also play cold snap on your opponent's turns and draw a card out of arsenal. Yes. Uh, which, I don't know. It made a, it's weird because it kind of, I mean, obviously cold snap isn't free. It's a one cost, but it kind of seemed free, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it replaced itself as far as your pitch went. It got you a brand new card. So if you were going to plan on having, you know, some modicum of a turn, you could play this in between your opponent's actions, give them a frostbite, draw a card, have two resources up for the waiting moon, uh, and stop your opponent from going as wide, take a little damage, uh, and then moon them, <laughs> moon them right before the turn ends. <laughs> then you uh, take your turn, play your yeah. uh, action, moon them again, and then uh, Arsenal Blue Card, pass. Uh, one of the, the most impactful things playing against Icelander that hurt me the most um, is what got me my first loss at the fourth round of the second pre-release on five was um, playing against Icelander and the one card that gives you three Frostbites. Uh, the zero cost. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that I don't remember my what day. it's called. It's not... Uh... I don't know what is it? is it her specialization no no because that, that one's the double x yeah, he played that one against me as well um so the way i responded to that one was interesting um but it, it boiled down to being at less life and having a yellow uh respite gaining the life and preventing three so i prevented essentially all the damage it would deal because he paid uh x's two into it and gave me um four frostbites or yeah, yeah, four frostbites. I believe yeah. that's the number. Maybe I misread yeah, that card. I got the, I got the one. From you know what? From I, I feel like three. we actually misplayed. Now that I'm thinking about it, what's the name of that card? Uh, uh, it's Icelander Specialization. So I got one from playing it from Arsenal. I got one, and then it's double X for the uh, the cost. So I ended up playing it for six. But that single card. Uh, <laughs> Did he pitch his entire hand to do this? Hold up. No, I pitched two blues. I still kept a yellow in hand, so I'd be able to hit you with a waning moon. Did, was this against you? Yeah. Well, no. I don't know. I played that card against you, and I made four frostbites. The Icelander yeah, specialization? Make, yeah, how'd you make first four frostbites? Uh, so one from it coming out of my arsenal from yeah. Icelander's ability. No, and it's elemental. Pitching six. It's an elemental. It's not an ice. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what it was then. Then, yeah, it was three because I remember you caught that. Then I'm confused. Why did I break even? <laughs> We're going to. Oh, why'd you, you played the uh, you played the card that gave one of your ashes ward four, right? No, I played that. I played uh, what I'm thinking about was a game, a game against uh, Angel, I believe. I don't think this is against you. Oh, OK. Yeah, I don't believe this is against you. That's odd. Anyways. <laughs> On another note, Arctic incarceration, by the potentially, way, potentially uh, say what we were trying to think. Arctic incarceration is the one we were trying to think of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, screw that card. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I got I got hosed by that pretty badly. It happens. Um, um, so, yeah, for ice, I believe I would consider cold snap to be one of the better cards. 
Um, okay. And for um, Jermai, hmm, Jermai is interesting. Um, I feel like Rake the Embers for sure. Yeah. Or my personal favorite was uh, Dunebreaker Senpai. <laughs> yeah. Sen- I know Senpai or Pie or whatever, but I always called I it Senpai. Senpai. senpai yeah. um, That's a great it's card. something I need to Google. Uh, that card was amazing. Or uh, Ember Embers Maw Senpai, was great. rather. Ember Maw, the big one. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, that red one's an eight attack. I actually hate drafted it just so I wouldn't have to deal with it uh, <laughs> in our draft. Um, okay. I got to think about, yeah. Yeah, I think those are good ones. Did you have a favorite Fi card? Yeah, Fi card? Uh... They all just come and go out of your hand so fast. I actually yeah. am it's, trying to remember they the all name kind of, of the almost do the same thing. favorite. Um... Oh, I'm the going one that is my favorite. Searing Touch is really cool. Ooh, which one's Searing Touch? Oh, uh, that's the one that does does random two damage. That's not arcane to any oh, target. Weird. Yeah, so if you have Rupture, it's a one cost three, and if you've got Rupture, it gets to deal two damage to any target when you attack with it, and it's not arcane. Huh. Just too unpreventable damage. Good. Or not unpreventable, but you know what I mean. Like not um can't block for it and you can't arcane barrier it. You're gonna have to use actual prevention effects. The um I'm That's trying to remember card. the name of this card, and I don't know why I can't find it here in my pile of Draconic Ninja cards, but it's if you have played a red card this turn, it gets headlong. Yes, I was just thinking about that one too. That one's a lot of fun. That one's a lot easier to pull off than most. Because uh, there was that weird, there's that weird line of play where you can break the chain, um, so that your Phoenix Flames go to the graveyard. Um, huh. that that's what it is. It's uh. Let's see, there's Stoke the Flames. Um, that one is sick. And then what's the other one? Inflame. Uh, okay, Flame Call Awakening. I'm so sorry. That's the name of the card I'm thinking of. It is a Draconic card, which is why I couldn't find it in my Fey Pile. Um, so it reads, when you attack with Flame Call Awakening, if you played another red card this turn, you may search your deck for Phoenix Flame, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. So there were a couple of these effects that they looked for a red card you have played this turn and um it just set up these crazy turns like blaze headlong if you've played another red card this turn blaze headlong has go again and there's actually this whole entire uh entire like in flames another great example but there's this entire sub meta to playing Fi, where you can just break the chain to keep getting your Phoenix Flames back, uh, to keep these cards going, and in my it just set up some of the most devastating turns because you've already gone wide, and uh, it's it's such a major skill point of Fey is knowing when to break the chain. Um, oh, this deck was so deep. 
but I loved it very much. That seems interesting. I don't think I ever got a chance to do that. I didn't. I only had um a single. I believe I had a single flame call awakening and uh like a single in flame in my uh pull. I uh I had a couple of each, and I when I first saw that line, I I smiled a very disgusting grin when I was like, oh, I can do this. Um. So okay, so I'll go through the other two heroes too. So my favorite. Draw my card um, is probably sweeping blow. I really, 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 really like the idea of an illusionist attack that doesn't have phantasm. I think that's so cool. Like every illusionist attack printed up until this point had phantasm. Mm. And so now we have sweeping blow. We have dust up. And both of these are non uh, non phantasm cards. Billowing Mirage, another one. So finally, Illusionist is getting fair costed attacks. Like for instance, um, Red Sweeping Blows one for three with Go Again. Um, but when you attack with it, you get to create an additional Ash token. So actually, they're finally giving Illusionist rate cards. Um, yeah, that is pretty on rate. Where they've all been under-costed, like, ridiculously fragile cards before, there are now, like, there's now legitimate attacks, which is very cool. Um, especially the art for Sweeping Blow is really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, like, something Assassin's Creedy to it. And, yeah, I get uh, that vibe as well. That's pretty dope. So that's my favorite Jermai card. I think that's really cool. Um, my favorite Icelander card is probably a little underwhelming but it's frosting specifically red frosting the idea of three arcane damage for zero feels great um yeah i mean it's just a zap essentially yeah it's a free zap which is just phenomenal i freeze zap yeah freeze zap oh that's great because it is (laughs) a nice wizard card um <laughs> that's actually yeah that's really good uh that's amazing um let's see i'm trying to think of like cool pulls i had in general uh i did get the quelling sleeves in cold foil which all of the little flowers on the pattern are cold foiled and it ended up looking really 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 cool Ooh, that's nice oh yeah uh i actually ended up i got really lucky i ended up with a full <laughs> foil set of the uh quelling so i got the quelling slippers and robe and rainbow foil and then that cold yeah i didn't foil. check whether i got a bunch of those foil i did separate everything already but i haven't didn't pay attention to whether i don't have a foil robe and like foil sleeves maybe but i don't know if i have the slippers um the foiling on the robe and slippers are god tier really all three of them are like they're just cool cards to have i pulled a fight a frightmare in one of my um pulls but i never played it interesting that is the uh that is the extremely uh that is the extremely powerful illusionist attack correct yeah only if an illusionist attack action card you control have been destroyed by phantasm this turn so it seemed and it doesn't block for anything so it seemed pretty difficult to actually make it work or be good at all really yeah it's uh i mean if you can make it if you can attack with it by god like you're you're turning this game on its head but um yeah it seemed like a pipe dream so didn't bother it does definitely seem like a pipe dream there's like too many there's too many conditionals to get it going 
Um, that said, how many cards in this game attack for 13? Exactly one. And then and additionally, right exactly one card attack f- attacks for 14. Ooh, which one? I know it's a uh, Guardian card, but you'll have to remind me which one it is. Pulverize. Oh, yes. Pulverize. Um, so, I don't know. Frightmare is weird. They seem to be pushing, like, this build of, like, keep baiting you into breaking my phantasm so that you'll pay consequences. Like, there's so many cards that, like, give you a benefit to phantasm but this card seems to be the only huge or, or like, I'm sorry, a benefit to having your phantasm broken. But this card seems to be the only one that has a huge payoff. Um, and it's very conditional, especially for a three cost card. It's just uh, it's weird. I feel like there's a few cards missing from this design space. Maybe it was a little too powerful to continually punish your opponent for breaking stuff with phantasm. Uh, I mean, they already have tons of stuff like that. I mean, I, you know, they just added a few more, but they had some of the other stuff previously from even from Everfest. Uh, They had the aura that makes the shields. They had the mirage that makes a, uh, but you put a zero cost aura into play. The one that lets you make a shield when it pops. Uh, Of course, miraging metamorph that just straight up makes a clone of any aura in play you have. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like the uh, it's just weird, though. It's a weird design space to make your opponent pay for popping your phantasm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I just I felt like I felt like a payoff was missing. Like, I mean, you look at you look at a card like Ghostly Touch, which is obviously the illusionist legendary for the set that keeps getting those counters as your phantasms get popped or things get destroyed and broken. And it's just. I don't know. There's something about this design space that as an illusionist player, I haven't been able to sit down and say, okay, this makes sense to me. Um, Like you're constantly playing around getting phantasm popped and you're never, you're never trying to bait your opponent into it, I guess is how I would put it. So I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't seem like any of the payoffs are good enough. Hmm. It's interesting. You know point. what I'm saying? That's Absolutely. why that's why Frightmare is such a weird card. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever see play, to be honest. I'm gonna try it. Uh so <laughs> long I mean, story short, we're gonna let's jam hope. this one in. But um additionally, who's your favorite dragon? My favorite dragon? I gotta go with Falcor from the Neverending Story. Isn't it like a, a whole like a Falcor? I don't know. I never watched it. I don't know. He's the he's the luck dragon. He's a dog. He kind of looks like a Maltese, but he's also I've a seen dragon. The picture. I know what it looks like. I've just uh, you know I, I've never seen uh, that movie. Yeah, it, it's it was uh, is it weird. It's a weird movie. Um, from a weird time. My favorite dragon, though, is uh, is one I did not pull. I've got like all four dragons I pulled in my hand right now. Um, I think my favorite dragon is Necrotal. Is that his name? 
Uh, no, that would be the magic card, Necrotal. Four mana, two, one, first strike, destroy target, non-black, non-artifact creature when it enters the battlefield. Well, don't I look like an idiot? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Necria, Necria. Necria, that's the one. I knew it started with Neck. Um, so I, uh, I like the design of this card so much. Um, there's a reason it's a three-costed dragon. I think it being three-costed in a deck that wants reds might end up being the reason it doesn't see play. Um, mm-hmm. But I like this design so much where it's so difficult to kill. Uh, and then when you, it's got seven health, but anytime it takes damage, it gets a minus one counter. Um, and then you create a, uh, you create an ash token. And then, but it also happens whenever Necria deals damage. So you, in general, the way this card works, at the very least, uh, you will likely get three, maybe four Ash tokens out of this. And then you'll be sending an over, like, the other thing is like, this card attacks for four, which is over any standard blocking rate. So you'll be able to create a whole bunch of Ash tokens, get in chip damage. I understand why this is a three-costed card, but I think... In any Jermai build, you're gonna run enough blues where this yes. becomes a very good card. The, and I think I definitely oh, yeah, was gonna say that. No, I, I agree. I'm saying a lot of people feel like they are playing this like all red deck, and that's just not the case. I mean, yeah, you are gonna play mostly reds, and sometimes those reds are gonna get pitched. But I think that um they're overstating the necessity of having a mostly red deck. And I think that it's definitely going to be closer to being a, uh, uh, sort of like 80, 20 deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's definitely an eight. I mean, I think it ends up looking a little bit more red heavy than, uh, than prism does on the yellow blue ratio. I think you end up with a little bit, more red of a deck but it's interesting right because the whole principle behind your is you have to play that red card first and a card especially a majestic that i severely underrated looking at previews until i actually got a chance to play it was burn them all um burn them all is crazy good this card is so good. Like, I so underrated it because I was like, oh, what? You uh, you get to deal one arcane damage like the one time it happens. Um, what I didn't realize is how easy it would be to keep this card in play. But more so than anything, once you already have a nice board state of dragons, um, to have a zero cost red go again just to start uh, your whole chain of go again dragons, and I feel the same way about skittering sands, um, and like to a much oh, lesser sure. extent, dust up. Ooh, overture. Which one's overture? I said, oh for sure. Oh, oh for sure. I was like overture. That would be a great <laughs> card. I mean, that doesn't that sound like a card? Um, yeah. <laughs> so well, unfortunately, dust up doesn't have go again. If it did, that would for sure be a. Uh an excellent way to start your go again turn yeah so it's interesting right because you have sweeping blow which is going to give you two ash tokens if you're pitching a red for it you have skittering sands so like 
she has these tools that are just like turn goers. And then you've got this thing that's going to keep giving you chip damage while it stays in play and burn them all. And I feel like that's such a good card. Um, it's just, it's fascinating. And you end up with so many red cards in your graveyard, especially late game. You can, uh, you can very easily afford to keep two of these in play for several turns. Um, I really underestimated how easy it would be to keep this in play. I think I was so used to channel mount lasting two turns if I was extremely lucky that I, I don't know, I was regularly getting four turns out of my uh, burn the malls. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've seen it go up that much. Yeah, I mean, it was just a phenomenal card. Um, my uh, my favorite dragon's Vincerakai. Sarakai. Vincerakai. Vince Eric I. Um, yes. Vince Eric I. I just like the name. I also kind of like his design, right? The in general art of Vince Eric I, I feel like matches up with the the philosophy of him. He's a six. He's a six attack draconic ally with one health. And whenever he hits a hero, he does three additional arcane damage. But his art, the man is all beak. Like he looks like a toucan. But I think it makes sense because that's where like it's just everything up front. Party up yeah. front. Vince Arakai, Burn, burn, burn. And, and he's another he three cost the dragon. Yeah, because he can deal nine damage. <laughs> he, yeah. usually, he usually will if you play your turn correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, like you, you may not be able to block that if you've blocked something else that turn. Say you go like, hey, uh, play a... Yeah, uh, play pitch a blue, play a uh, a red uh, billowing mirage. Okay, you attack for three, and now I'm gonna attack you with my existing dragons. Say you block one of them, and then you go, okay, here I'm gonna cast and invoke Vinserakai and create Vinserakai, and now I'm gonna attack you with Vinserakai, and you can't block it all. Yeah, which is so gross. Mostly just like the name. <laughs> yeah, Vincerakai is sick. It does really roll off the tongue. Um Otherwise, I think Mira guy is really good too. Yeah. Uh I underrated him a lot. Probably the one of the more playable rare ones, but yeah. Absolutely. There were just so many times where I had one really sick dragon out. Um, which was almost always I mean, like if you have out like a Kyloria or an Asvali, it's just so good to have Mira guy as your support dragon. Uh, to keep your other dudes alive. So, I don't know. I loved it. Agreed. So, I don't know. Did Matt, did you have anything else you wanted to add at the pre-release? Like, about the pre-release? Because I had so much fun. I just, um, I don't... Not particularly. I mean, I think we covered it all. I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had, had a good time. Absolutely. Looking to play more limited. Yeah, it's a hell of a limited set. Uh, especially with RTN season coming up. <laughs> Seems a lot of stores are focusing on RTN. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, speaking of RTN coming up, uh, there's a lot of changes for judges that are happening post this RTN. Um, and I think, I mean, a lot of this was a long time coming, but one of the things that I find interesting about these new judge program updates that are happening is now for anything above an armory, uh, well, I mean, above a skirmish, like we'll say a skirmish is one level above an armory, anything above a skirmish, you now need a level two judge. 
um, which is, I guess, a little bit in line with what Magic the Gathering does. Um, yeah, to a but, degree. But this is still a very new judge program. And one of the requirements is you need to have a recommendation from a level two judge to become a level two. And who knows a level two judge? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't personally, but um, that's going to be one of our goals is to get into, uh, you know, contact with a level two and then see if we can learn some new things and get our uh, get our tests going and hopefully uh, move up the next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting to me that they time locked it, which I guess is OK with the way they're starting it. Um, but I don't know. I think there's like, there's people who like, I'll go away from judging for a while. Like, I don't know. They're adding in these recertification charts, like recertification tests, things like that. And, uh, I don't know the, the time locking is interesting. I might've, I know they put it 120 days. I might've put it at 90 and just make the test a little bit harder, especially because it's weird to have the 120 day time lock and you need a trusted level two judge to sign off on you. I think that's an interesting combination of things that they didn't necessarily need to do. Um, but there is part of this new judge program that I think is fascinating. It's something I wish magic, the gathering would do. And that is they are adding with the release of every new set, a recertification test that every judge needs to take. Hmm. on the new rules uh, with each set being released. And that's fascinating to me. That's actually pretty interesting. That's something Magic does not have. Does not no, have. not at all. Uh, sometimes I'll read a PDF and then like go to lunch with one of my Magic judge friends and hope we figure it all out in time for the pre-release. Uh, so I'm glad that there's something a little bit more formal here. And uh, on top of that, though, this Road to Nationals is going to be the last one that is happening under the old format. So I'm going to need to get my level two, uh, which is going to involve me reading a lot of the comp rules over and over again to make sure I get all the minutiae down. Um, and, uh, you know, what are we getting for judging this road to nationals? I'm pretty excited about it. Matt, did you have a new look at the new Taipanis? Taipanis. Taipanis. Taipanis, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah. I hope, we, yeah. We, I'm we, not going to uh, propose an alternative. Yeah, we, we saw him before uh, when they announced that they were going to be giving him, him out to uh, Pro Tour judges. But now we're getting rainbow foil ones for uh, the judges for all the uh, Road the Nationals as a uh, prize support. I don't know if that's the only prize, not prize support, but uh, judge support. I don't know if that's going to be the only judge support, but that's the only one they've announced so far. Yeah, I don't maybe they're uh because judge support was so fleshed out over these last few things, maybe they're trimming it down to kind of encourage stores more to be like, hey, you gotta throw some store credit or some stuff the way the judges without the judges being like I don't know, it's weird. Cause it feels weird to like walk home with like a playmat and a whole ton of promo cards and then still be like, Hey, uh, could you throw me a booster box too? Which is absolutely what you're supposed to do. But I can see how store owners that aren't familiar with how the process works um, would be like, oh, well, that's a lot to give away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like they were giving any of their own personal things away. They've given. No, they've absolutely given, not. Yeah. They've given zero of their things away when you start from just promos and play mats. 
I've I've given away all of my time to the store, you know. So, but yes, yeah. I understand the the uh, perspective of the person looking at you with uh, you know playmat promo cards and whatever else. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. I I wonder if there will be like a special judge mat. There has been at most large tournaments before. I know they've kind of like slimmed down on it lately for a lot of things, but I'm curious to see what ends up happening here. Um, Certainly. And I guess really our only other big piece of news this week is, and my God, I think these are going to be expensive, Matt. I sure hope The history pack black border HPBB. I know they have a different (laughs) word for it. I forget what it's like the, uh, the black border history pack. I know they have a word for it. Um, but it releases July 1st in Spanish, Italian, Dutch, and black label, black label, black label. Um, Dutch is a a, fascinating choice. Yeah. Not German. Yeah. I thought for sure they would do German different if you're familiar, but Dutch and German aren't quite the same thing. No, they're not. Well, so it's interesting. Like, uh, there's a small step from English to German and there's an equal, there's like a similar small step from German to Dutch, but English to Dutch is a massive leap. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, you would need to, pre- you would need to know German. Like it would just kind yeah. of makes sense that way. Unless you started off knowing Dutch, like it's definitely, I, I took German a long time ago in uh, college, two courses of it. And I can, uh, I don't really understand it (laughs) because I kind of forgot a lot of it, but I can read a a sentence and be kind of like, okay, I got the gist of it, you know? Um, But if I look at a Dutch sentence, I'm just like, I have no idea what the hell I'm looking at. I don't know what any of this says. Yeah. The vowels stop making sense uh, when you get to the Netherlands. Um, And I say this as somebody with a Dutch last name uh, that uh, we use letters in ways that you haven't seen before. Uh, (laughs) That's, that's how I describe it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to try and actually, I mean, Dutch words are usually like if you're an English speaker and you've never read a lot of Dutch, Dutch words are always hilarious. I, yeah, I'm sorry. They just are. They look funny. There are a lot of funny sounds like that you just don't use in English normally and they sound goofy. And uh, I would love to pick up some Dutch cards. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Yeah. For me, it's going to depend on the translation. I got to see what it looks like. You know, um, Magic has had a lot of uh, translations in their time. A lot of sets have uh, various uh, translations to release. And there are a lot of funny sort of like uh, Easter eggy ones. Um, If you're familiar with like French uh, Horde Brutale, uh, Chef de Horde (laughs) Horde Brutale. It's a brutal Horde chief. From, oh uh, yeah okay i was trying to think of like which one that yeah. was off my head <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones from whenever that came out uh i remember opening packs of uh fate reforged in french and it was uh open a, opening a uh mythic chef de horde brutal that's amazing or just you know eventually they're gonna have to do japanese and uh the other asian languages as well and then those yeah. are definitely gonna be the the ones we're truly sought after. Well, I think it's interesting, right? They stuck with Latin script languages. Um, True. I think it makes it much easier. They already had those designed. 
for their fonts and stuff. Well, that's like uh, even in Magic the Gathering, right? They never really started printing cards in like Arabic or Hebrew or any right to left reading language because it would mess with the whole formatting of the card, which I think is interesting. There are very limited edition Arabic and Hebrew cards that you can get for Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Um, But one of the things that I collect, uh, especially because they're just so rare, you almost never come across them, are Cyrillic Magic the Gathering cards. Um, Cyrillic? Just the Cyrillic cards are so rare to come across, which is the Russian alphabet. Um, Oh. And they're, they're... you just never come across them. They're on the other side of the world. Like it just, there's not a lot of like exchange between the cultures really uh, just because of the distance. Yeah. And so whenever I can find them, I pick them up because they do print booster packs in that. And I think Cyrillic flesh and blood cards would be really cool. I'd love to I pick think them up. Cyrillic language looks sick on magic cards as well. I had any just for TCG. I have, um, I had a pension for, uh back in like just when i would just buy i mean nobody holds these like foreign language boosters anymore i know cool stuff used to very hardcore back in the day correct so i used to randomly just open like cool packs i saw i was like you know if the standard set they would get in german they would get in uh japanese they would get korean they would get russian and i would be like okay well uh let me get three pieces three packs of german three packs of russian Three packs of Japanese, and uh, I mean, you should just go through my stuff stuff because I randomly have like Russian, Japanese, sometimes German cards, Spanish. I have like French, and you know, just ran just all the languages randomly, like sometimes assorted in my bulk. Like I, uh, I have a Russian. Um, what is it called? Uh, uh, Second Harvest. Oh, cool! From uh, Shadows over Innistrad. That's a cool one. Opened a uh, Russian uh, Karanos a long time ago, but I sold that. Oh, Russian Karanos. Okay, yeah, that, that was a really cool one. Yeah, I know. I wish I still had it. I know I know who I... I remember my, my friend at the time I sold it to, but he doesn't have that one anymore. Oh, that would be so cool. Well, so... Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up, though, that nowadays in Magic the Gathering, foreign language cards are not as valuable as English cards. And they're not and a really lot sought of that, after, yeah. Yeah, so they used to be super sought after. Like, having Japanese cards used to be super cool. So I would like, before we end the show, to prevent present my theory on why that happened and to explain why I think it's a great idea to pick up Black Label Flesh and Blood cards. Um, so one thing that happened in Magic the Gathering is that a singleton Highlander-style format, if you're unfamiliar, called Commander or EDH, where you run one of of every single card became the predominant format that was played in Magic. And it's a very casual format. And a lot of this is you having to show cards to people that aren't familiar with them, and they have to read them. So if you look at Magic six, seven years ago, when foreign language cards are popular, the predominant formats were Standard, Legacy, and Modern, which are four of formats. And it'd be very difficult for you to track down four copies of foreign language card However, because these formats were very much like solved metagames constructed, people knew what cards to expect. You very rarely had to play a card in another language and then explain it to somebody and what it does. Um, And with Flesh and Blood, it's very rare 
for you to explain to anybody that's not a brand new player what a card does. Like people are expecting cards. Chances are you have three of them in your deck. And because of that, I think foreign language cards will be extremely sought after in flesh and blood because they do not run into the singleton problem that EDH does. I don't know. Hmm. That's my that's my rant. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, I think that I never had any issue with that, but I know I do I do know that I have uh encountered players uh, you know, who just don't I mean it I sometimes run into the uh the fault of assuming people know what cards do and then having to explain them and being being like, oops, this is in Russian. Or oops, this is in Japanese. Let me pull up the actual uh you know oracle text. Yeah. Or when I want to mess with somebody, they're like, what does that card do? Or can I read it? I'm like, sure. And I pass it to them. I know very well they don't read this language. I'm just passing it to them so they can read it. It's like in Japanese. They're like, oh, I don't read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, uh, I don't know. I It's it, it's such a great little subtle humorous moment that I've, it comes up occasionally in EDH. I don't know. I still relish it whenever it happens. Yeah. EDH definitely would be the ideal place, though, for all of your foreign language cards, you know? Yeah. It's right. It feels like it should. And that's why maybe my. Uh, that's why maybe my theory is incorrect, but I do think it has something to do with Singleton uh, as why it became I mean, unpopular. It's a convincing argument. I I feel like you're probably right. I mean, at some point, either at a supply level or at a at the player base level, something changed and it just wasn't as desirable. Yeah. Super weird. I remember I pulled a Japanese Kiora out of a Japanese Born of the Gods booster pack. and I thought that was the coolest thing that ever happened. I mean, that is pretty cool, though. Yeah, it was pretty rad. It was sweet. I still think about it all the time. I was the only person in the store, so I couldn't be like, hey, everybody, look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right on. Well, I don't know. I think we we did a lot of covering. I, it's so weird, right? They delayed the release two weeks. I was really kind of looking forward to some early metagame mm-hmm. results, but now we're just gonna have to grind on TTS with hopes and prayers. Um, so I uh, I don't know. I guess going into this, uh, Matt, do you have any final thoughts? Um. This also means that we're getting a uh, delay on the unless they decide to give us an update this Friday with the BNR. Um, we're getting a delay on uh, Living Legend. Oh, that is true. Yeah, well, that is correct. relevant for your local armories. So chain is now legal up. for ten more days. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hopefully, no one's uh, needs to play test a deck that's going to be uh, leaving the format soon. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. We'll see y'all next week where hopefully there's stuff to talk about uh, given this delay. Uh, If not, I'll invent things. Um, We will find a topic. Absolutely. Until next time. Take care.